Hi, I'm Jim Calloway. And I'm Sharon Nelson. This is the 62nd edition of the Digital Edge Lawyers in Technology. Today, our topic is top technology trends at large law firms. Jim and I are very happy to have as our guest today our good friend Toby Brown. Toby is the Director of Strategic Pricing and Analytics for Aiken Gump, and prior to this, Toby served in similar roles for both Vinson and Elkins and Fulbright and Jaworski, where he also drove knowledge management initiatives. He regularly presents and publishes on legal technology, marketing, and law firm management. He maintains the ABA award-winning Three Geeks in a Law blog with two colleagues at www.geeklawblog.com. It's good to have you with us, Toby. Thank you for having me. We really are interested in a lot of your observations, Toby, and I'd like to start off with asking you, what have been the largest and most significant software implementations at large law firms over the past few years? Well, across the firms, and I bring a somewhat unique perspective because I've been at three AMLA 50 firms over the past year and a half, and I can say even beyond that of, of colleagues at other firms, the big thing has been upgrades to Windows 7 and Office 2010, which at a small firm level or even a mid-sized firm level is not not a huge deal. I mean, it's a big enough deal, but at large firms where we have offices overseas and we have just all the network connectivity and the ties into our document management systems, uh, it's, it's a pretty massive undertaking. In fact, I used to joke that I wanted to buy stock in um, some of the training companies because we were all going through Office 2010 training at the same time, and I'm sure those, those companies were doing fine through that. I'll bet they were, and I'll bet there's been some hardware-related upgrades with all of this. Yeah, a lot of the firms essentially looked at that at the software upgrade as a chance to upgrade hardware or or they were timing the software upgrades around a hardware refresh. In fact, I can say absolutely Fulbright was in that. Although I would say currently Aiken Gump, we we went through the upgrade. In fact, I kind of lucked out because I got to leapfrog the upgrades <laughs> because Fulbright hadn't quite done it when I left, and, and Vincent and Elkins had already done it. But here, they had already done it at Aiken Gump, and now we're looking at a hardware refresh for all desktops and all laptops, which is also another major undertaking because we they call it uh, the image. They have to essentially burn a standard image for a piece of hardware and then be able to push and upgrade that image over time. So they have to find the right hardware. It's it's, a, it's an involved process and it's a big dollar. So there uh, there's a lot of scrutiny on the decision. In terms of large firm IT departments, what new skills are really hot right now, Toby? I would say the, the top one is security. When I left Vincent and Elkins, they were actually in the market for, and I understand they filled the position of, I believe it was titled director of security. A lot of the large firms now, and actually in my current role, which we can talk about a bit later, but I see a lot of RFPs from clients and more and more of them are specifying that we are, that the firm has to be compliant with certain security specifications, uh, especially if you do any work for defense contractors or even, you know, major energy companies and such. And so law firms have really had to uh, to go deep on security. In fact, the, the uh, 
the association of law firm IT people uh, fondly referred to as ILTA, they created a, a large separate project to help law firms address this issue. And again, you might think it's, you know, scale ends, ends up becoming a big issue. And I can even point back to uh, one of my prior firms when we went to hard drive encryption for laptops. We actually had to go to the manufacturer of the laptop because we had these odd intermittent problems and come to find out it had to do with the, essentially the hardware configuration. So it, it, it sounds, you know, and I, if it was just me, in fact, you know, my home sort of stuff is all secured. That's relatively easy, but securing, you know, thousands of hard drives with uh, hard drive level encryption is, is quite a project. And as you all know, it's a moving target when it comes to security. So that's why I would say the that's the big thing is getting the right skills and the right people in place to be able to adapt to that moving target. Well, I know that one of the things John and I lecture all the time about is bring your own device, which is certainly a, a heck of a movement these days. How has it been hitting the large firms? Huge. In fact, uh, it was funny when I was at uh, Vincent and Elkins in my job, I do a lot of financial modeling and analysis. And at the first, we called it the uh, BRC, which was the billing rate committee. Uh, in, in, in my role, I deal with a lot of those types of functions. Well, I show up and it's, you know, it's all the leaders in the firm and I look around and, and I was the Luddite. I had a laptop and everybody else had an iPad. And these are practitioners, I would say, many of them older practitioners, but they have, they're all, they love their iPads. In fact, I was uh, um, in Dallas a couple of weeks ago at a client meeting with some partners, and we're all talking about how we can not bring our laptops. And again, I was the only one that had my laptop. They were all functioning off their iPads and iPhones. So that's been a, a, a very big thing. Uh, the Android devices are on the rise. And I would say most firms are probably finalized or in the final stages of securing, you know, getting the security in place for Android devices. So I see them as the next wave. I have even heard of firms, in fact, I know in our hardware fresh, not that we're going to do it, but I know it's on the table, would be exploring a bring your own device at the laptop level. So I would say it's big. I mean, lawyers... As, as you might know, are somewhat demanding, and uh, they're, they're getting that way on their devices as well. Lawyers? Really? <laughs> demanding? I can't imagine. <laughs> has, has this presented any other challenges, this BYOD idea? There's obviously support issues. Like, for instance, if they were, you know, if a firm decided, and I'm, and I'm reaching back in my memory, I, Dorsey Whitney may have done this, where they allowed essentially... <laughs> as you might guess, the alternative device on the laptop level would be a MacBook. Support becomes a big issue then. So support and security are uh, very big issues in, in those circumstances, which, you know, maybe I'm sure we'll probably talk about the cloud in a minute, but that it amplifies that problem of securing all of that data, um, you know, especially at the device level and with portable devices. Well, I know it's hard to predict looking at the horizon because there's really not that many, uh, that much of a mileage uh, as you look at the horizon. But if you were to look there, what kind of software issues are you seeing coming out in front of us? Well, at large firms, <clears throat> uh, an issue or an application, I'll call it. Well, 
I'll switch and call it an issue, is our internal portals. It's how we share information across offices, across practice groups, lawyer to lawyer, and that kind of stuff. And there, the application of choice has become SharePoint. And that's, you know, back to the question about skills, I think that's another skill set uh, for large firm IT that is relatively hot. And so SharePoint has become that portal platform. Uh, so that continues to be big. SharePoint is now, or has been for quite a while, allows you to plug in you know, other applications, your document management, your, your Outlook, whatever it is you need to plug in. So it's a very versatile platform, but that also makes it a handful to try to manage. Another sort of big ticket item that firms are looking at is workflow. And usually the specific example there is what we call new business intake. So that when we get a new client or a new matter, there is a workflow for how they go through conflicts. You know, in fact, my role on, on the pricing side, is there any unique pricing that's been approved? That approval process to the point where it becomes a, an officially a new matter and we give it a, a new matter number, that workflow there's the, the well-known tools out there, K2 and Metastorm. They're a bit of a challenge to get your arms around and implement, but a lot of, a lot of firms are looking at those workflow sorts of tools. And beyond that, various what I'll call KM knowledge management platforms, sort of at the core of that would be the enterprise search. And for us, what that means is being, being able to search across all of our platforms with one search. And SharePoint usually is the interface for that, but you really need big iron search tools and engines to be able to, to crawl and search across, you know, geography and platforms and those sorts of things. So those are, that probably covers, you know, what are the big issues facing firms right now in terms of new systems. Toby, what specific practice groups or law firm departments are really driving the uh, bus now on technology uh, needs? Well, that's a good question, and this is a conversation I, I have actually with my chief marketing officer, our CMO, because we have we kind of keep an eye on this stuff as well. And outside of legal, actually, marketing owns more technology. Like if you go to corporate America, marketing owns more technology than IT does now. And we see, you know, similar trends, you know, beginning at large firms because the requests are, how do we, you know, obviously our websites and our websites are now thousands of pages of content, very complex we deliver CLE on them and all kinds of things like that. But marketing is starting to drive a lot of that. And especially now in a tighter market where our lawyers are trying to build their businesses, there's a lot of demand on the marketing side. Also, the financial side, which is where I come in, the way our partners consume and interact with financial information used to be, you know, they practice law and they made money and now they're having to get more and more into the business of it. So the financial side is driving a lot of it as well. You know, I've been thinking about your answer to the preceding question about software issues and it occurs to me to ask you, what are the big firms thinking about Windows 8? We are, well, most big firms, when you look at an upgrade like that, it's like we just did Windows 7. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, we sit back and wait because if there is any bugginess, you know, yeah. any issues to a piece of software or a platform like that, they're magnified to an incredible degree for us. So we wait until all those issues are ironed out. 
I will say it's kind of funny. I've I've gotten very contrasting views from partners at the firm. I would say our more geeky lawyers look at Windows 8 and sort of look down their nose at it. And those are usually like patent lawyers. Whereas I've had other lawyers like, uh, what's his practice? Uh, labor law recently say he thought it was going to be a great idea because, you know, the, the uh, you know, if you get like a Surface tablet or something like that, you'll be able to get the office application suite as as part of that. So I, I, I would say the jury's still out on that. I think there are, there would be issues either way, but I would predict big law is going to sit back and see what happens before they make a move in that direction. Yeah, I think you're probably right. And we're kind of advising our own clients to hold fast too. We're not sure this might not be an operating system that you can simply skip, but let, let's move a little bit to the cloud. Cause I know that around here with Sandy and the Direcos, we have suddenly seen on the solo small firm side, we have seen a big impetus to move to the cloud because of drivers like that. What are you seeing in terms of larger firms, Toby? Well, I would say large firms know they have to go there, but they're cautious about going there. At uh, one of my prior firms, the, the general counsel would, you know, our ethics counsel, you might call them, would always raise his hand and go, we can't, you know, have our data here, there, and everywhere. We need to know where it is. And, and he would talk about security, and my response was usually you know, a lot of the cloud is far more secure than we are because they have the highest level security experts. You two have heard all of those arguments. <laughs> Though Those walls are starting to fall down. One of the drivers, frankly, has been on the e-discovery side because the some firms like Fulbright houses a lot of its own discovery data. They have a really sharp discovery team there. But for the most part, a lot of firms, it's to the point where it's just too much information. And so you have to go to the cloud with that discovery data, which arguably is extremely sensitive to clients. I mean, some of it's, you know, you're trying to identify the privileged information, frankly. So that, I think, has opened a lot of minds to the idea that we need to go there. We have a, a couple of additional issues in that if we take an application and move it to the cloud, we now are looking, if you know, recall a comment about enterprise search and knowledge management, now we've magnified that problem because we have to be able to search, you know, federated search or whatever we need to do to get to that data to be able to deliver it back. And so reaching out across the cloud for those sorts of issues you know, and if we have, say, five core applications and they're hosted by different providers, you start to see the complexity of moving data across those platforms and across the cloud. So we have that additional. We also, I would say, have an additional challenge, which we frankly have right now of uh, on the international level, especially with privacy laws. Because if we hold, there's certain data you can hold in the U.S. that you can't hold in the U.K., and so we, we will have to make sure there's consistency in policy and implementation when we start moving client data into the cloud. Toby, you and I have both spent a lot of time uh, studying and, and reading about and writing about and speaking on alternative fee agreements. How are alternative fee agreements changing IT if they are? Um, I would say they are about to change IT a lot. And... Well, in fact, all, uh, um, I don't know if we've had this conversation in the past about, you know, defining alternative fees. And nowadays, I, when lawyers say, well, what is an alternative fee? I sort of flip the question around and I say, 
what isn't an alternative fee to the effect that how often do you get to name your rate and bill however many hours you feel is appropriate on a matter. And I usually get that, oh, no, look, you know, back from them. <laughs> and my point is, is that what our alternative fees are is sort of the beginning of lawyers having to say and law firms having to say, we need to manage things differently. And so, you know, to my point, I, almost everything to me, in fact, I, uh, one of my colleagues at Baker McKenzie, he calls it, a, he uses AFA, but he calls it appropriate fee arrangement. <laughs> so a lot of our work is really falling into that. And on the front end, there's the financial and, you know, usually lawyers come to me and say, oh, we have this, you know, treasure trove of data and past billings that we can use to come up with pricing and ideas for, you know, the next deal. And I always say that data is not that good in part because it's poorly structured for that need. And so what, you know, that sort of technology we're looking at there, I'll, I'll throw out an example. There are technologies emerging that can actually read time entries and code them. And by code, I mean your your task codes and say, oh, this time entry was a deposition or this time entry was investigation or discovery or what have you. Those types of technologies will be tremendously valuable to us because what our real challenge here is understanding essentially the cost of delivery of providing our service. And we we don't have a really good handle on that and we have this mass of data and we're going to have to rely on technology and, and sort of next generation, you know, big data sort of analytics tools to help us understand that. So you think about that on the front end and the financial side, then on the back end, in fact, uh, tools we are looking at right now are, um, you know, like uh, you may have heard the, latest buzz phrase, legal project management, <laughs> to say, are there those sorts of tools that could be applied to help us better manage? You know, I do, like, part of what I do in my, my current role is create process maps for practices, tools to do that. I mean, you, you can kind of see as I'm, what I'm laying out here is a continuum of, you know, we're coming up with alternative fee ideas. I have to model them to make sure they're profitable, which is a new kind of technology. We've got to monitor them and then we've got to start changing the way we manage against all of that. And all of that really needs, you know, new technologies to drive or, you know, to support it. Well, I, I think you've partially ventured into what I was going to ask last, which is about the uh, technology market responding to AFAs, but uh, feel free to elaborate there, or if you just want to add some sort of conclusory or visionary remarks at the end here, feel free to do so. Well, you know, in terms of the vendors, you know, and if, if I talk, you know, to what I would say are the, you know, my true peers in the market when it comes to alternative fee and pricing stuff, we are, you know, in the desert waiting for the vendors to step <laughs> up. Literally in that space, I just defined for you, there's only one clear solution and that's in the profit modeling. And there's four or five or maybe six tools out there that we can. And basically it's a forward look at a piece of work where we say, okay, if we staff it this way and we price it this way, will we make money on it? Whereas most of the systems we currently have just look backwards. So that's one that actually, you know, 
a tool that exists, but everything else that I described to you, we're sort of begging. And, and, and a lot of firms like uh, my colleague, uh, Chris Emerson at Brian Cave, he actually has programmers to help him develop tools to do this. So there's a lot of custom development going on. However, there are, I will say, next generation tools emerging on the market. Uh, I mentioned legal project management. There's a company called ERM Legal Solutions that's that has an early stage product. And there's also on the analytics side, a company doing some interesting things that I've been talking to now for I guess about nine months called Sky Analytics, which is that analytics piece of billing information. And they are actually functioning both on the client side and on the law firm side. Uh, We've formed a group of people who do what I do and we're actually struggling for what we call us. But it's essentially, you know, if you were using the market buzz phrases, it would be alternative fee arrangements and legal project management. Once I put a stake in the ground to form that group, the vendors started knocking on our door. And essentially what I'm telling them is, you know, please come and talk to us, but listen to us because our needs are unique. And and most of them, I would say, in fact, I was on the phone yesterday with one of them and they're saying, please give us the information because we're not sure what to build. We're guessing because we're not inside a firm dealing with these issues right now. So, you know, tying this all together law firms i i you know at one point a while back someone said oh would you be a you know a full cio at a law firm and i'm like yeah i don't think so <laughs> because i think there are going to be significant technology challenges going forward in fact one of the ways i look at it is most of our systems and operations and organizational structures are built for the past you know you know jim knows this story well it's the good old billable hour and we're built for that but looking forward, we have to be built for something very different, and we're going to have to change the way we do business. And firms are seriously looking at this and saying, you know, the, the trend of hiring pricing directors like myself and legal project management people, that's all, I think, going to put serious pressure on law firm IT departments to do things differently. I think it's going to put – it's going to make the cloud all of a sudden seem a lot smarter it's it's going to make, you know, like the BYO, you know, bring your own device stuff. All of a sudden, it's going to say, okay, we've really got to open the doors to thinking differently and doing differently. And the IT people are going to be running as hard and fast as they can. Well, Toby, I remember a, a few years ago when you left employment with the uh, Utah State Bar, and I thought, well, I won't get to see a bunch of Toby at the uh, National Association of Bar Executive Meetings. I'm glad you haven't disappeared into big firm life, but you're still sharing your information and knowledge with all of us. So thanks so much for joining us today, Toby. Thank you for having me. And that's all folks for this edition of the Digital Edge Lawyers and Technology. Thanks for joining us. Goodbye, Miss Sharon. Happy trails, cowboy. <laughs>